Take your copy of God's Word, if you will, and turn to the Gospel of Matthew. Turn to the Gospel of Matthew. As we look at God's Word together, take your Bibles out or your iPad or your iPhone or whatever you can find and find a copy of God's Word this morning. Matthew chapter 10. You know, it's amazing what people can say to you. Have you ever had individuals that just said something that you were so surprised that you cannot believe that they had made such a statement to you? Anybody? You've been in the church for some time now, obviously. You know, there are occasionally those remarks that people will make and you'll think to yourself, I cannot believe they just said that publicly. They might have thought it, but I cannot believe that they said it publicly. I remember uh, uh, a few church members that have said things over the years. By the way, a disclaimer in the very beginning, none of these are church members at Temple Baptist Church, okay? I remember one Sunday going into the Sunday school office after I'd preached the morning service or the earlier service, and uh, one of the guys kind of stopped me and he said something to the effect. He said, you must be buying off the rack again. (laughs) Now, I don't know any other way to buy but off the rack, but you must be buying off the rack again because I can tell your pants are too long. Come by and I'll take care of those sometime this week for you. I thought to myself, what did he just say to me? I had another guy one time say, hey, preacher, you know what? If you would let the youth minister preach all the time, we'd have revival around this place. (laughs) May I just tell you, you don't mess with the guys preaching, all right? Well, when it turns to your wife, it takes on a different kind of characteristic. You know what I'm saying? I had a lady at our first church that I pastored. She came up to Leslie one day and she said, I'm so proud you finally wore a pretty dress. (laughs) And not that black dress that you always wear. Well, if it wasn't that bad, I mean... It's one thing to talk about a woman and what she's wearing and the dress. And by the way, you know, I'm the one that always takes, I'm always the one that takes the judgment and wrath from those things. Because the preacher's wife has to be nice to you, but not nice to her husband. I promise you. (laughs) If it's not bad enough that you would say such to the pastor's wife, wait till she's pregnant. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. This gentleman came up to her one time and said, you know what? You're so much bigger this time than you were with the last baby when you were. (laughs) Or get this. The one that came up and said, you must be going to have a girl because your nose is getting bigger and bigger every day. (laughs) I'm not making this stuff up, I promise you. I wish I... And then the guy that told me one day, he said, my spiritual gift is the gift of criticism. That's what he said. And by the way, he made about three out of five of those remarks that I just gave you, right? (laughs) You know, sometimes people say things and you think to yourself, how in the world could they say that? That doesn't even go with the character of a believer or a Christian. And it's, it's just unimaginable that they could say such a thing. And yet, you know, when you read through the Scripture, especially the New Testament and especially the life of Jesus, there are moments that you hear things that they don't make sense to you. As a matter of fact, Jesus can say some things that you're puzzled by, that you're confused. Now, I'm not saying to you that he's just one of those church members that say things flippantly or anything else, but I'm saying to you, 
that Jesus sometimes would frame things. He would say things that would be out of character, or you would think out of character for Jesus. And yet he would say it for a purpose. He would say it for a reason to somehow lodge a message in the, in the audience's heart and hopefully call them to a greater commitment to him. We're beginning a new sermon series today. We've left the patriarchs, although it was still such a rich study and we could have mined so many other things from it. And we come today to this idea of the tough things to hear or the hard sayings of Jesus. Those statements that Jesus made that somehow capture our attention and yet can somewhat confuse us until they are properly understood. I want you to see today as we begin this study one of these hard sayings. One of these tough things to hear or tough words to hear. As Jesus looks at his disciples and basically says to them, exchange your family for the cross. Matthew chapter 10 verse 34 it says, Jesus speaking, he said, Do not think that I come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He, he who loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. As you hear Jesus speak, you probably can tell, even here, that this seems to be so out of character for our Savior. Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus says, don't think that I have come to bring peace. Now, doesn't that seem out of character for our Lord? I mean, we have worshipped Jesus Christ as the Prince of Peace. He is the one through whom we know what peace really is. Many of us have come to reconciliation with Christ. We've given our hearts and lives to Him, and because of that, we're no longer enemies of Christ, but now we are at peace with Him. So we have known Jesus for the peace that He has demonstrated in our lives. And yet here, Jesus says, I have not necessarily come to bring peace. That should grab our attention as we hear Jesus say such words. And then as He goes on, and talks about how he would set family members against family members and that he would bring division within the family. And in verse 37, when he says, he who loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. Later on, some other disturbing words that you find in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, verse 26. There, Jesus even uses that idea that if you do not hate your father and mother, that if you do not hate your father and mother in relationship to him, then you're not worthy to follow Christ. Now, all of these things can seem confusing. They seem contradictory because Jesus, again, He is the person of peace, and He is one who has affirmed. He is one who has affirmed the commandments and love, not even love of family, but He's even talked about the love of your enemy. So how can Jesus even use words like hate and, and words like, strife and conflict. How could Jesus do that? Well, Jesus uses such language in order to get us to the heart of the matter. 
What is the heart of the matter? I want you to go ahead and have this truth, and we're going to try to flesh it out just a little bit. But the heart of the matter is this, is that your relationship with Christ is more important than any other relationship you'll ever have. And it should be more important than any other relationship that you have. He says, unless unless the love that you have for me is greater than that of your father or mother or any other family member, he says, you're not worthy of me unless you hate your mama and your daddy. Now, that sounds so bad, doesn't it? I almost don't even like to say it in this pulpit because I know what's going to happen this week. You know what happens. You know, my mom and dad, they live up in Tupelo, Mississippi. But today they're so connected still to me. And they're connected through the technological means. You know what I'm talking about? And this week, Andy's going to put up the message I preached today. And my mom and my dad are going to listen to this message. I promise you they will. Some of you, like your parents, you're proud of your children, are you? Well, a few of you. (laughs) And they're going to listen to the message, and they're going to hear it. And I'm going to tell you, Mom, my mom will get to that point where it says something about hating your mama, and she's going to call me. (laughs) She won't see that there are 20 more minutes left of the message or so. She'll just want to call and say, What do you want to, Reggie, tell me something about this hating your mama stuff. Jesus didn't really say that. What were you talking about? Again, Jesus uses such exaggerated language in order to talk about the priority, the preeminence of our relationship with Him. And and even using that word in the Gospel of Luke, hate, He is trying to say that your relationship with me, that love, that affection and devotion that you have for me, that it should be in such a way that all other relationships and all other affections would seem as hate because you have loved me so much. And see, most of you in this place, you don't have an issue with that central truth, that truth that our relationship with Christ should be more important than any other relationship. Most of us in this place probably don't have an issue with that basic statement. But this morning, I would hope that we would take these tough words to hear from Jesus and that we would allow them, well, we would allow them to speak to us and challenge us and perhaps reevaluate the real relationship that we have with Christ. Because you see, it's one thing for us to come together and say, yes, my relationship with God and my relationship with Jesus, that relationship is the most important thing for me. It's it's one thing to say that. It's another thing to live like that. So let's think just a moment. Here in this passage, he speaks about a father or mother, or he speaks about a son or a daughter. In other passages that we find in the gospel, he will include other relationships in the family maybe a husband or a wife. I want you to stop for a moment and I want you to think about some of the most precious relationships that you have. Some of the most precious relationships that you have. In some cases, even here this morning, you have people that represent those precious relationships. Many cases today, you could look right next to you and you could see your husband 
or your wife, or you could see your son or your daughter, or you could see your dad or your mother. You, you could see all kinds of relationships right here today, some of the most precious ones. If you were to think about it, these are the people that have made a difference in my life. These are the people that I love. These are the people that I have affection for right here in this place. And it's wonderful that God gives us these types of relationships, isn't it? How blessed are we? Folks, how blessed are we that we have such people in our lives? And for us to be able to look across the room and see a friend or a family member that we love, that we have affection for. And those relationships, they play out in different ways, don't they? They require not only our affection, but they require our time. They require the cultivation of that relationship. There are all kinds of things that are involved. Sometimes you're able to celebrate and those are wonderful times. And sometimes when you go through moments of difficulty, you do it together. And you see that relationship grow even more. You know, I I can reflect upon those relationships in my life. The relationship I have with my wife, the relationship I have with my children, the relationship I still have with my parents. And I thank God for all of those. And I can tell you that God has allowed me to be loved and to love. And it is a gracious and wonderful thing. It is a gift of God himself. I'm so thankful for that. And I also am thankful for God giving me the energy for those relationships. Because you know you have to have energy in different relationships. You have to have the energy to, to, to communicate and the energy to sacrifice, the energy to relate and give up time in your life for those relationships. And yet, listen to what Jesus says. Jesus says, you take that relationship that's so special to you right now, that relationship between husband and wife, that relationship between you and your grandchildren or you and your children, you, you, you take that relationship and then multiply it exponentially and you're just getting to the point of the relationship I desire for you and desire with you. Is that not mind-blowing for a moment? I mean, we know, again, all of us know Christ and God, His relationship, the relationship that we have, that's priority. But when you begin to think of the relationships you have right now and how much love you can have for somebody, and then all of a sudden God says, hey, the love that you have for that person will multiply it exponentially and you're finally getting maybe to the point to where you have that relationship with me that you should have. That's mind-blowing. This week I was thinking to myself, that is just mind-blowing. And it is challenging. Now, love is spelled how? Well, it's spelled, in many cases, T-I-M-E. When you agree? Love is spelled T-I-M-E. The time that you give in your life to that relationship demonstrates love. For example, most of you know it now, I'm married. And I hope to still stay married even after what I said earlier about the dress. I wasn't the one that said that, by the way. You heard me, Leslie? I didn't say that. They said But there's this thing about marriage. Leslie expects 
for me to like live at the same place she lives. She does. She expects me to spend time with her in, in some way. I got to spend time with her. If I say, hey, Leslie, you know what? This relationship, I do love you, honey, uh, but there's so many things going on. And, and you know, I think, I think for about the next year, I'm going to move into the church up there and I'm going to take care of some things. My wife's one of the most understanding people that you would ever find, but she would not understand that because there are expectations. Spending time, cultivating the relationship. Jesus said, Jesus said that all of these other relationships, all of these others should pale in the comparison that, of the relationship you are to have with me. And let me say to you that if we love God, if we love Christ Jesus, then it will be reflected in our lifestyle, it will be reflected in our time, it will be reflected in everything about us. As a matter of fact, our priorities, well, our priorities will reflect that relationship and our timing and our assignments. Later on, Jesus will say something like this, which I think goes right along with the message that he gives in Matthew. In Luke chapter 9, he says, it, it says, Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Listen to that. You want to talk about tough words to hear. You want to talk about hard sayings. These individuals were coming they wanted to follow Jesus, and Jesus said, Now come, you come and you follow me now. And one says, Hey, let me first go bury my father. Well, culturally, he was responsible for his dad and for the burial. So he says, Hey, just let me go fulfill my social and cultural obligations. Let me go do that now. Jesus said, Let the dead bury their dead, which seems so tough and so hard. Well, let me first go back and tell everybody, Bye. Let me go back and, and, and see my family and, 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 and say bye to my household. And Jesus said, once you have made a choice, once you have put your hand to the plow, so to speak, you don't look back. You just keep going. And you keep following. Now listen to me. Jesus was not saying, Mama, if you're listening to this this week, hear what I say. Jesus was not saying that we ought to hate our folks, hate our family, somehow get away from our obligations. That, that's not what he's saying. Jesus affirmed the commandments of honor your father and mother. He, he affirmed the relationships that we're supposed to have. He, Jesus did all of that. What Jesus was trying to say in some exaggerated type of language, in some tough language, is that he is the priority for our life, not just in the relationship, but also in the way in the way we conduct ourselves, 
and the way we are called, he says that I am the priority, I am the person for your life. And everything else, everything else should follow behind as you follow me. That's what Jesus said. That's such tough language. And that is a challenge for us today, is it not? I mean that we would just keep following and keep going. There's so many things that try to draw our attention away. There's so many things that are good things. By the way, good things that we find in this world. And yet, our attention is drawn off of our relationship with God. Even by good things. A while back, I wrote a tidings article... um, Tidings is our newsletter that goes out every week. And I write a little message in there. Uh, But I wrote this Tidings article a while back entitled something like uh, God Things Versus Good Things. One of the challenges of my life and, and one of the challenges I think for a ministry and a church. You See, there are so many good things out there that we can be involved in. I'm talking about personally we can be involved in. Corporately as a church we can be involved in. There are good things. I I don't take away from their benefits and how they can be used. But you know what I found out in my life is that good things can even crowd out God things. In other words, I can get so busy doing good things that I really forget the God things that he's called me to do. Well, isn't God good? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got all that. But friends, you and I, we don't have the energy to do every good thing. We don't have the money to do every good thing. That's the reason we have to narrow it down and see what the focus is and see what God thing that we are called to. And we're to follow him. What is it that will enhance our relationship with him? What is the time that we can give to that relationship? How can we get to know Him better? How can we follow Him? And when your focus and your priority is upon Him, please know that from time to time, especially as it was in the New Testament age, it would cause conflict. It would cause conflict. Isn't that what Jesus said, Jesus said, I've not come to give peace, but I've come actually to set household against household or members of the household against members of the household. Now, you could, you could, well, you can understand when he mentions something like daughter-in-law, mother-in-law, you could kind of understand conflict, right? Most of us have been there and, but he says that he's come to bring conflict. What does he mean by that? He means that when you choose that relationship with Christ and when you change that focus and when you are devoting that time and the priority to your relationship with Him, in many cases it will set you against somebody else. Maybe somebody that you love. Think of the New Testament period again. The early church, the early church, intrinsically Jewish. Ethnically, they're looking for the Messiah. They're, you have these individuals who come and they accept Jesus as the Christ and as the Messiah. That very statement, that very confession would bring them into conflict with most of their family members. So what would they do? 
Would they choose to follow Christ even though it would alienate them from others, even some of the most loved ones? Or would they simply reject Christ and go back to their family and embrace their heritage and embrace the cultural demands? Thank God for those early disciples. They said, we'll follow Christ. Even if it sets us against others. I remember Keith. Keith was attending Pine Grove Baptist Church in Picayune, Mississippi. I talked with him a few times. Keith's son was the first individual I ever baptized when I was there at Pine Grove. And Keith, well, he kept talking to me about just coming and giving his full life to Christ and following him and even joining the church. But he knew that when he joined the church there, it would set him against his family. His parents had already said, if you join that church, that's it. That's it. No longer a part of this family. Well, we prayed through that. We prayed. We prayed that they not only would accept Keith's coming, but that they would accept the idea of who Christ was and that relationship that they could have. We prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And I'll never forget, I'll never forget that Sunday morning when Keith came down. Now, Keith, eh, he was probably uh, 6'1", 6'2". So he came down. And um, let me just tell you, he was emotional. And I think sometimes emotion gives you extra strength. I was still about 20 or 30 pounds lighter than I am now. So when he bear-hugged me and started to bear down on me, I wasn't sure even the power of Christ could hold me up at that point. But I could feel him just shaking inside. I, I could feel him as he knew that he was making this decision to follow Christ with everything that he had, but also knowing that he was setting himself against his own family, his own parents. I could feel that. I could feel the burden. I could feel the tension as he came and poured his heart out and as we uh, prayed and as he followed the Lord and was baptized. And see, many of us, we've been blessed to come up in circles where not only Christ was embraced, but we were encouraged to follow Christ. But that is not the case in many different areas. And while we have such a narrow view of Christianity, I think, we need to be reminded that there are families all over this world. There are people all over this world every day who have to make a decision of whether they'll follow Christ or they will capitulate to their family's demands. And what Jesus said is, it's not always about peace. Sometimes you're going to be set against others. He says, come follow me. And maybe in name, some of your family, they follow Christ. But I'm talking about those who have really trusted Him with their lives and they're living for Him. Your priority and your work and whatever else, it can set you against others. But Christ says, you follow me. You follow me because get this. Not only is our relationship with Christ the most important relationship, more important than any other relationship we'll ever have, our relationship with Christ, well, it should be more intense 
more intense than any other relationship that we have. It's hard again to imagine the passion and the love and the affection that you can have in your life for other individuals. And yet in intensity and service, your relationship with Christ, Christ should be so much more than any other relationship. Jesus describes it in a sense like this. He says, verse 38, And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. The cross. Now, especially up to Matthew 10, Jesus has not really fleshed out the cross. He's not really fleshed out all of the fulfillment and what he was going to do in the sacrifice. So up to this point, Jesus just inserts the cross. How offensive is that to these early believers? I mean, to think about it. The cross was this idea of of horror and tragedy, of punishment. The cross. Oh, everybody would have been familiar with it, but the cross. Why would you bring the cross up saying that we've got to take up a cross, Jesus? And yet as they would come to learn and even as we today sit here and we study and we see God's word, We understand that the cross is the symbol of self-denial. It is the symbol of sacrifice. It is the symbol of saying it's not about us. It is about our relationship with you, God. He says, you take up your cross, deny the personal ambitions, deny the personal desires of self, and follow me. May I say to you that sometimes the challenges to our relationship with God is not necessarily the relationship we have with other people. It's the relationship we have with ourselves. The primary barrier in my life, at least, to my relationship with God, the primary barrier is so often standing right here, this person. And the relationship I had. Because you know what? The old nature in particular. You see, I still have an old nature. God's working on me. And I have a new nature. And he's trying to develop. But you know what? This old nature keeps warring inside of me and saying, Hey, this is what you ought to do. This, is, this would really impact you. You would love this. Why don't you do this? This would make you happy. The old nature just keeps doing that. And what do I have to do? Well, through the power of God in my life, I'm called to crucify those desires. I'm called to embrace Christ and take up the cross and follow me. Follow what God has said. I think for us, God calls us back to that place of taking up our cross not in some type of martyrdom, but rather in some type of faithfulness and fulfillment to be able to crucify our self-interest and follow Jesus as our Lord. He says this in verse 39. You talk about intensity. He says, He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. He said... Once again, in the same way, you are to lose your life. The intensity of that. 
Again, think about the intensity of the crucifixion. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, you have to crucify your own interest, your, the intensity of your dedication and devotion to that so that your relationship with God will be what it needs to be. He says, you've got to lose your life. You've got to do away with your own selfishness. You've got to do away with your own ambitions. And my friends, he wasn't just telling us this. Jesus Christ will be the true example of this. Jesus Christ will be the one who has said, I am not trying to grasp the things of heaven. I'm not trying to display simply the glory of heaven itself. I will come. I will humble myself. I will take upon the form of a human being and come in human flesh to die for the sins of the world. You want to talk about the intensity of love that he had for you and he had for me? that he was willing to endure the death of the cross to lose his life for us, how that should challenge us and how it should challenge our motives and our attitudes and our hearts and our lives that God, we are willing, we are not only willing, but God, we embrace this opportunity to crucify our selfish interest, to lose our life. so that we can find it. Because this is what's tremendous. This is what's tremendous. As we embrace Him, as we exchange our family for the cross or the priority of that relationship for the one relationship that we can have with Jesus, He says, you can experience life. I know it doesn't seem to make sense to give up yourself and then you truly experience life, but that is... Well, that's the message of Scripture. To give up yourself, to give up all other relationships, in a sense to focus on that one relationship as the primary, as the preeminent relationship in your life. He says only through that will you experience true life. And friends, those of us in this place who have accepted Christ as our Lord and we've committed ourselves in such a way and we've said He's the focus... He's the priority, and we have come to Him. Can we not confess today that it is only through Jesus that we've known life? That we've known the joy and the peace and the fellowship and the strength and the grace of what true life is. Through Him, through the intensity and the importance of our relationship with Christ, we experience life. And I pray today in this place that you've come and you've given your heart in such a way. I know many of you have confessed your faith already, but I say to you now, I say to you now, is that relationship still the priority? Is that relationship still preeminent over every other relationship? Is today a day for you to come and you confess and just follow Him again? putting aside all these other things. Would you hear him today as he speaks to you and as he speaks to me that we might embrace that relationship that God has given? Let's pray together. Father, we do praise you today. And God, we are thankful that you came not to just offer us ritual or religion, but you came to offer us relationship. 
And God, we are thankful for those relationships you have given us, these earthly relationships. But a God, I pray that for every one of us in this place today, that somehow our relationship with you will supersede everything else, will drive us to focus, will drive us in our priorities. God, I pray that today we're willing to take up the cross and crucify our self-interest to follow you. Thank you for the life you've given. And may you continue to extend it to those who are coming, those who would come and faithfully follow you. We pray it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?